I'm reading from John chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. The word of the Lord. It's good to be back home. In John 4, 1 through 15, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. It is in this exchange that Jesus violated the Jewish purity code that required Jews to remain socially distant from Gentiles. Jesus not only broke Jewish social taboos, but he went as far as to ask if he could share drinking water from the same water source with a Samaritan woman. The woman's practice of separatism and social segregation would not allow her to respond to the legitimate thirst of another human being. The well, the well. The well stood at the center of the standoff. One party in the conflict claimed property rights for her people. She claimed that her people historically held the land rights to the well and therefore had ownership of the resource that was in the well. However, Jesus used Jacob's well as an object lesson to introduce the Samaritan woman to a well far deeper than any well on earth. In order for Jesus to get her to that deeper well, 
He had to convince her to move from her genetic argument about Jews not associating with Samaritans. He had to help her to see that both groups, though different, shared a common thirst. Samaritans were the result of Jews mixing with non-Jewish peoples, and therefore the Samaritans were considered to be a genetically inferior hybrid of people that some would consider today mongrels. The merger of genetics and religion eventually evolved into a strict separation of Jews from Gentiles. And today, in the attempt to maintain both religious purity and racial purity, the one true religion and the one true race are now two sides of the same coin. It could be argued that today, for some people in our nation, their race has become their religion. The Christian church in America must do all that it can to resist being a comfortable haven for those who sanctimoniously worship the lifeless idol God of race. It is at the well that Jesus challenges the historical boundaries that were initially designed to engineer the perpetual protection of religious and racial purity. Jesus reveals that the water problem is not in the well, but the water problem was inside the Jews and inside the Samaritans themselves. We today in America have a serious water problem. Our water problem doesn't exist in just one city or region in our nation. America's water problem goes far beyond Flint, Michigan. In this political climate, there are groups scrambling and scuffling to preserve and protect their own water supply. They are unwilling to share water with anyone outside of their group. It doesn't matter to them that souls outside of their group are tired, thirsty, dehydrated, and depleted. The only way Jesus could get water from some Americans today is that he would have to be one of us. However, it is important to recognize that sometimes Jesus comes to us thirsty, but not looking like one of us. Human thirst has no color. Human thirst has no religion. Human thirst has no gender. If we ignore human thirst on the basis of physical characteristics, we very well could be guilty of ignoring the thirst of Jesus himself. If we ignore the thirst of Jesus, Jesus will have a pertinent question for us at the judgment. When you saw me thirsty, did you give me water to drink? Jesus comes to us thirsty in all forms of humanity. He comes to us thirsty as African Americans. He comes to us thirsty as European Americans. He comes to us thirsty as Mexican-Americans. He comes to us thirsty as Jews. He comes to us thirsty as Gentiles. He comes to us thirsty as Muslims. He comes to us thirsty as immigrants. He comes to us thirsty as Democrats. He comes to us thirsty as Republicans. 
The fixation of hatred on them prevents people from seeing him in them. Didn't mean to rhyme right there, but I'll go back over it again. <laughs> the fixation of hatred on them prevents people from seeing him in them. And though you cannot see him in them, he can see himself in them, and they may not be able to in the current hour see him in them, but by potential and by the grace of God, he is in them. And we must seek to see the him in them. It was the well, the common source of water that brought together the Jew and the Samaritan. It was their common thirst that brought them to the same water source. America's thirst for racial harmony, America's thirst for justice, America's thirst for a peaceful society, that thirst can only be quenched when Americans start drinking water from the same well. When all drink from the same well, all will have a vested interest in keeping the common water supply clean and clear. Clear and clean of the lead poisons of racism. Clean and clear of the lead poison of political discrimination. Clean and clear of the lead poison of economic exploitation clean and clear of religious bigotry rooted in the fear of genetic extinction. And although there are no separate water fountains for whites only and for coloreds only today that we can see, Americans, however, continue to drink from separate and unequal wells. America cannot get well as long as Americans continue drinking the polluted waters from segregated wells. When we share the same water supply, we will begin to value each other's humanity, not based on what we see outside of them, but based on what we know and who we know reside inside of them. One common water source that should serve as the racial equalizer for Christians is the water of baptism. There should be no racial divisions in the waters of baptism. Can I get an amen? However, this truth does not erase from my memory of a story I grew up listening to as a child growing up in West Tennessee and Covington, Tennessee, 36 miles north of Memphis. It was the story of a local white congregation in our small rural community that allowed our small black congregation to use their baptistry. It was reported that after our church used their baptistry, the host congregation drained all the water from the baptistry and scrubbed the pool down with Purex, Lysol, and Clorox in order to prevent white future converts from using the same waters of baptism behind black people. As I grew up hearing this story, I remember as a young person thinking to myself, the blood of Jesus should be strong enough to clean and purify both black and white sinners alike. But as I grew older, I came to understand that the problem was not 
in the baptismal waters, but the problem was in the people who were still drinking from the polluted waters of racism and segregation. As I grew older, I realized that the church not only has a water problem, but the church also has a wine drinking problem. Now don't draw any conclusions too quickly until I explain that statement. I became convinced of this when I encountered a situation that involved taking communion with the group that drank from the same cup. I remember being the only black person at a communion service with a small all-white community of believers. There were about 10 of us that sat beside each other in a half circle. There was an open seat beside this wonderful elderly lady, and so I sat next to her. And this meant that she would have to drink from the cup after I had drank from it. And as the one cup grew closer to us, the woman started to cough lightly. And by the time the cup got to the person right next to me, the little lady had gone into a full-blown chronic coughing episode. It was such a violent episode that it caused her to get up and walk out right as the cup was going to my lips. And I wondered whether the latest coughing spell had more to do with the racial conditioning that she had received than it had to do with the bad cough. I wondered whether it was the germ of racism that gave birth to her chronic cough. The communion cup and the waters of baptism revealed to me that Christians in America are still reluctant to share water from the same well. In order to overcome our external divisions, we must all drink from the same well, not an external well, but an inner well. A well that is springing up within us with the waters of eternal life. Eternal life. A well springing up inside of us a well with eternal water, internal water that is eternal water. It is a vast water supply. It never runs out. It is more than enough for everybody. If we can see that the true treasure lies within. It is not without, it is within. The kingdom of God is within us. And therefore we have unlimited supply of all that God knows that we need. It is only through the miseducation and the misinformation that is fed into our thinking to give us a scarcity mentality. We serve a God who holds the entire universe in the palm of his hand. He holds everywhere there is a where, even where there is nowhere, he holds it in his hand. When we are ignorant of our common inner well, we focus more on the outer wells. We focus on the political well. We focus on the gender well. We focus on the religion well. We focus on the economic well. But when we turn to the well within, we become an internal wellness center that can produce the pure waters of racial healing within us, which will spill over and leak into the society in which we live. When we drink 
from the world's well. We will think like the world. We will hate like the world. We will politic like the world. We will seek to dominate like the world. And we will be willing to kill each other like the world. But when we stop drinking water from the wells in this world, we will experience peer pressure from those who are still drinking from the poisoned wells of racism, bigotry, and hatred, and unforgiveness. They will wonder why we are no longer committed to the inherited hatred passed down from previous generations. They will not understand our practice of drinking from the same water supply with others who are outside of our designated groups and categories. And the pressure we experience at the hands of a world that is obsessed with hatred and violence sometimes makes us relapse into our worldly racial attitudes even though we know better. Nobody likes to be outside in the cold, cut off from family and friends. It is the greatest fear factor that we face is being cut off, put out of the family, and being cut out of the family's will because we choose to associate and to be in relationship with people that our family systems have taught us are off limits. When we came to Jesus, we got out of our old families and we got in a new family. And every uncle and aunt, grandmama and granddaddy that cut you off, God will give you a whole new set of grandparents and family members who are seeking to do his will above the human will. You see, Peter fellowship with the Gentiles until the Jews showed up from Antioch. And when his Jewish friend showed up, he distanced himself from the uncircumcised Gentiles he could not let the Jews see him drinking water from the same well of a, of a common fellowship with the Gentiles. And Peter, like many Americans today, are afraid of being socially ostracized. That is what keeps racism alive. That is what keeps bigotry alive. And sometimes that is what keeps rage in those who have been wronged alive. The refusal to forgive, that's what keeps that fire burning. We don't want to be looked on as an outsider by our family systems. But one day, our families will not be able to go with us on the journey that we're all going to have to make out of this life into the next I know there's only one who will stand waiting for me on the other side of the Jordan River. The same one who knew me before I was born into this world will know me when I take my last breath and get ready to exit out of here. And because God is the only one who will be able to receive me on the other side of death, that is the only one that I shall seek to serve and to please, even if it causes me to be kicked out of my racial group my family system, my social context, or my social clique. It is God that I seek to please and to be attached to because I know that this place that we call this world is not my everlasting home. None of us were born in this world to stay here forever. And, but it is true that whenever you choose to think according to God's divine wisdom, 
people will think that you have lost your mind. And when you are pushed out of your group, when you are hated and despised and talked about behind your back and doors are closed on you, positions are denied you because you choose not to participate in the hateful ways of this world, you must be willing to pay the price. That's why Jesus came to teach us a higher way, a better way, a third way, the way of love, the way of truth, the way of integrity, and we must walk in that way no matter the cost. And every, if everything is stripped from you, he has more to give to you than what, no matter how much you lose, he has more to give back to you. You see, this tendency to not endure being, having an outsider status and, and, and feeling the need to pretend that we're just as mad as everybody else, even though we're not mad, sometimes we have to pretend that we're mad in order to fit in with the people that we want to be accepted by. It reminds me of the, of the story of the king and the poison well story goes, there was once a wise king who ruled over a vast kingdom. He was feared for his might and loved for his wisdom. Now in the heart of the city, there was a well with pure and crystalline waters from which the king and all of the inhabitants drank. But when all were asleep, three witches entered the city and poured seven drops of strange liquid into the well. And they said that henceforth, all who drink this water will become mad. And the next day, all the people drank of the water, but not the king. And the people began to say, the king is mad and has lost his reason. Look how strangely he behaves. We cannot be ruled by a mad man, so he must be dethroned. And the king grew very fearful, for his subjects were preparing to rise up against him. And he had a difficult choice to risk being destroyed by his beloved subjects or to drink from the poison well and become mad like them. And so that evening, he ordered a golden goblet to be filled from the well and drank deeply. And the next day, there was great rejoicing among the people for their beloved king had finally regained his reason. The moral of the story is that some folk won't think that you have sense unless you go mad and be upset and angry like everybody else. As we listen to the many voices in our nation today, there seems to be a lot of madness that is going on. Evidence is everywhere that someone has poisoned the city well in America. And those who refuse to drink from the city well are attacked because they choose to act and speak with reason and with civility and with Christian decorum. The only way that Christians can escape from the madness is that we must drink from the inner well that Jesus said would spring up with eternal waters of life. We must drink from that well. 
and we must learn to dwell in that well if we are to get well and to stay well. Despite all of the negativity we see going on around us in the name of political discourse, we must be determined to dwell in the well, the inner well. You will be persecuted because you don't run with the mad crowd, but dwell in the well. Family members will reject you and write you out of the family will, but dwell in the well. No matter how much you are rejected, hated, and despised, dwell in the well. And so at the end of life, let the last words that part from your lips be that it is well with my soul. Stay in your well if you are to be well and carry wellness everywhere you go. No matter how depressed you may feel, talk to yourself and say, it is well because I'm in the inner well. With all of the rancor and all of the ugly discourse that we hear going on in the media today, you need to find a silent place, a place of stillness and go within and tell yourself it is well with my soul because I am determined to dwell in the inner well that can quench my thirst for righteousness, that can quench my thirst for peace. It is in the inner well, but we must dwell in the well. Dwell in the well. You carry it with you. Live in it. Walk in it. Rest in it. God is the source of love. And you will not find him out there in any political party or any racial group. You will have to look for him where the Holy Spirit resides. And the good news is that he is not far from you. He is within you. Reside there. Rest there. The peace that surpasses all understanding is there. And when we as Christians join together there, the peace that is in us will break out in the streets and you'll see people riding with peace in the streets. We'll knock the windows out of hatred. We'll knock the windows out of madness. We'll knock the windows out of anger with the peace that emerges from that sanctified sanctuary where God dwells in us. You got it, and I got it, we all got it. Don't mean to holler at you this morning, but I'm just excited. 
that we as the children of God got the answers for a world that has lost its way and that has lost its vision. We have the vision of a better place called heaven, but we can't get there unless we drag heaven into the right now moment into a fallen world and live as citizens of another kingdom that is higher than any kingdom that is on this world. You got it in you. I got it in me, we got it in us, and together we can make a difference in the world in which we live, even in our country right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we can do it through his strength. Let us keep drinking water from the same well, the internal, eternal well, which is the living internal presence of God's life through Christ and the Holy Spirit. May God bless you. We pray to him, oh gracious God, we know that this is your world. This is your world. And we are your people. And we are convicted that you have not abandoned us. You have not forgotten about us. We know that we are known by you. in the midst of our world that has gone mad we pray that we can overhear the noise and the clamor hear your divine beautiful voice speaking to us through your written word and through your living word reminding us that you are the solution to all of the problems that we face as humans Thank you for letting us participate with you in the healing of the nation, in the healing of the land, in the healing of the world. And the mighty nature and name and mind of Jesus, we surrender this prayer to you. And all those in agreement said amen.